And I believe that we need a mixture of both. Uh, we need centralized entity and decentralized ecosystem coexisting and carrying on together um, in, a, in a safe path. Um, I believe um, in centralization as well as in decentralization and the communication of the two uh, uh, pillars, it's very important. This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by AngelBlock. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. After the weekend that we just had, I think I think we all deserve an extra cup of coffee this Monday. But I hope you're all having a great week. Um, I'm really excited to do the show today. I am Charlie Shrem. You're listening and watching Untold Stories, although I'm starting to think about changing the name of the show to, to the Charlie Shrem Show because we've been expanding and doing a lot of other things. I'd love to hear all your feedback about that. But um, we have some really exciting stuff coming into the ne- in the next few weeks and a few months for the show. But we get to talk to some brilliant people, those who are working in the industry, those who are observing the industry, those who are uh, uh, part of our communities, those who are doing some of the coolest and craziest things. But a lot of times there's people I meet along the way and fun people. And today's guest is actually was introduced to me through another friend of mine. Actually, we had my friend uh, uh, Jamie Burke on a previous episode. His company, Outlier Ventures, uh, introduced me to my guest today. Mario Stumpo, thank you. Thank you so much. Is it Stumpo or Stumpo? I apologize. I should have asked you earlier. It is Stumpo, but it's fine, everyone. Okay. Mario Stumpo, yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on uh, on Untold Stories today to talk about, oh man, some of the craziness that's been going on in the space. But you're, you're heads down. You're, you are like building out a huge ecosystem. So I don't know how you have time to spend on like, crypto social media and following what's been going on. But you're an early Bitcoin investor. You specialize in law, economics, and finance. You found it and are, and are one of the directors of the Yanda protocol. And Yanda is really cool because essentially it's an all-in-one solution for everything that you would want to do within crypto. And it's essentially a decentralized version of these centralized protocol, these centralized exchanges that we're seeing fall like dominoes over the last few weeks. Yes, thank you for your introduction. Very kind. Um, well, actually, it's it's funny because the, the more time passes, the more validation we find on the market through this unfortunate event. Um, I'm I'm very sorry. I, I don't want. I I I'm, I mean, it's almost one year that we're warning people about uh, problematics within the industry, starting from the problems from uh, interoperability of networks, uh, ending with um, the problems coming from the shadow operation of centralized exchanges that very often are operating as black boxes. And and this put the crypto industry as a whole down. And um, the problem is that for a bunch of individuals right now, we're seeing the, the market lowering itself, not just in prices, but um, the trust from the community went really down during the last two weeks. And we built a protocol um, to avoid such a thing to happen, um, we are promoting transparency of operation from uh, centralized entity. Because we start from one prerogative. Uh, we don't think that decentralization can take over the whole industry. Um, I'm an economist, as you say, and I believe that we need a mixture of both. Uh, we need centralized entity and decentralized ecosystem coexisting and carrying on together um, in, a, in a safe path. Um, I believe um, in centralization as well as in decentralization and the communication of the 
two uh, uh, pillars, it's very important. So um, we have created a protocol that allows a decentralized ecosystem to audit and verify and validate on and off-chain operations altogether. So the off-chain operations right now that are carried out from uh, centralized exchanges, as well as brokers that are using centralized exchanges like Binance or Coinbase, um, they have a two of a big power over your funds. And this is where we want to step in. We'd like to give um, the users, the consumers, um, the businesses, the opportunity to understand what brokers are actually doing with your money when it mm. comes to off-chain transactions and operations. Today, there was a tweet from CZ, from Binance, that was flagging actually three commas and Skydex for misusing API keys from, from, from customers uh, in illegit operations yep. and transactions. This is actually exactly the use case we are pitching to, to everyone since one year now. Um, we believe that the validation of off-chain operations, not only transactions, can be any kind of operation from a centralized exchange. It's very important and can enhance the transparency of the industry as, as a whole. How would that work? I mean, you call this hybrid finance, right? And, and this is something very interesting. And I want to kind of discuss on the show this idea of hybrid finance, because I do think that's what's going to come out of the ashes of all this. Like you said, we go in cycles. And DeFi, we had the DeFi summer, right? We had an amazing DeFi summer last year, and we saw the flourishing of some of the most amazing protocols. And a lot of people can do a lot of things with them. But it seemed like it's still hard to use. And because of that, centralized protocols, centralized, not protocols, centralized platforms, like the ones we're seeing in bankruptcy today, offered the same type of DeFi experiences without needing to understand DeFi, right? And, and then, but really they weren't doing anything DeFi. And at the end, no DeFi protocols have fallen or failed. There have been some hacks and stuff like that, but that's kind of what you'd expect from, from building out amazing technologies. But that's not someone like at a CEO level just doing shady things potentially. So let me break down that in, in a few parts. So let's start with hybrid finance. So hybrid finance is a, um, it can be called whatever. So we, we followed actually our investor suggestion on making it easier and, and digestible from everyone and calling it hybrid finance. We received suggestion on calling it EDFI, centralized, decentralized finance. I believe that DeFi, well, kind of, but I, I believe that DeFi, first of all, doesn't exist because it embeds so many off-chain components in many levels that you cannot I like declare that. that something is 100% DeFi. Yeah. Um, so uh, I believe that our product is, it, you can call it as, as you want. It's, it's, it's a bridge between what we've seen in Web2 finance, and so DeFi, and what's happening right now on DeFi. Now, yeah, the DeFi summer, uh, actually it's since 2020 that I'm seeing a lot of projects on DeFi growing and, and, and but the problem is that I think that there's been a little bit of slacking from all of ourselves as operators in the market because there are way too many forks of existing products. You yeah. see, uh, Aave been forked a billion times, Uniswap a billion times. So one year ago, when we really started focusing our attention on our smart contract, we decided that we need to build it from scratch. We don't have to fork anything. We can, we can use some components from 
from some EDMs, and but but we wanted to focus on something brand new because I think that this is the orientation that is missing right now on DeFi is too oh, it's too much of a four. Now on on CFI, they offer amazing products that are very used, easy to use, super accessible, um, and they are KYC yeah. the, the most of the time. Customer KYC. So the, the simple fact that you are offering the KYC to the customer, this is a a a trust event that bring the customers and bring more more trust in the customer because it's something that they already have seen with their banks um, with their it. yeah they're used to it um everyone is saying also that DeFi is really harsh and complicated metamask oh my god how can we bring people to use more metamask or trust wallet or some or some of the other uh, wallet i don't think it's so much a big deal right now. At the end of the day, it's just one phrase you need to save. Um, I mean, it's not the same thing of your uh, pin code of the bank. It's a bit longer, but yeah. I don't think that users are so dumb to not understand that a decentralized wallet is what they actually need for 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 building their portfolio, for investing in Web three and so on and so forth. And I believe that also that there is um, a um, there is this flow from from Binance that is actually, and also from Coinbase that are actually pushing people in using more decentralized tools than centralized tools. Because at the end of the day, centralized exchanges are making money on volumes, and if they will find eventually a way not to hold the customer funds, for them it's going to be also a kind of a relief. Like I'm, you said, I'm not with, so sure where you follow me. But what you said with hybrid finance, how? How could you have these KYC protocols, but at the same time not be holding customer funds? Yeah, this is the point. So um, after a certain point, uh, the customer will have to understand that an anonymity in, in Web3 cannot coexist with regulation. And so um, what we are trying to, to, to do is to um, KYC at broker level, the customers. So everyone who's a broker can plug into the under protocol and offer its service if voted by the community. And they have to be uh, compliant with the regulation. So uh, by making their KYC, they would eventually whitelist an address of MetaMask onto the Yandot Smart conference uh, that will allow this address to interact with the broker through the under protocol. So while you're holding your funds on MetaMask, um, you will be able to interact with the broker, which will eventually receive your funds from a smart contract. And meanwhile, he's doing the operation he has to do. It can be a swap, a training bot, whatever other operation is getting audited via public API uh, from a oh, interesting. group of nodes and validators. Okay, so essentially, to to without simplifying it too much, essentially the ways the way we kind of do it now when you buy stocks or bonds or things like that, is that your broker is the one kind of maintaining your cash balance and the one who's regulated and the one who has to like be the person you call and the one who executes your trades and at various exchanges. So you think that the future is going to be potentially we'll have these kind of trusted brokers, people that we know that would kind of act in the middle of the hard part of the of decentralized finance. Yes, and it's going to be also That's much cool. easier to to, to to spot malicious operations from from brokers because 
the first time they do something wrong, the whole pool of nodes and validators, which, which is distributed or decentralized, depends by the magnitude, um, will flag the broker and slash it or at least flag it or ranking it in different boats. We are actually still thinking on how we are going to, to, to manage malicious operation for now. It's just flushing the broker out from the protocol. But in the future, we have to think about more sophisticated uh, reactions to that. Like, do you have, is there going to be some sort of governance system built into this? What does the, the ANDA protocol look like right now? So we have the, the governance um, with which you can already vote for allowing a broker to become a broker of the protocol. The broker of the protocol must solve some of our ANDA token in order to make the proposal to the community. And um, the community itself is going to allow the broker to propose itself with a different, with a structured fee structure, uh, which is composed by the fee to the broker, fee to validators, and fee to the protocol. And the governance can also change these, uh, these parameters. Really, really interesting how that would work. And, and, and are you... Are you at like a, a beta stage now, or is the are there actual brokers and, and users using the ecosystem? So um, today we finalized the last trick on the front end of our first use case, um, which is going to be launched by CryptoU, a Czech Republic broker oh, uh, cool. for the European Union. Uh, thanks for the European Union audience only. Um, we are actively seeking for brokers in the United States and other geographies. Uh, now we start from European Union. And we start with the first use case, which is a cross-chain swapper, which with minimal fee and major security and transparency oh. is going to allow uh, users to, to swap from Ethereum, Moonbeam, and Celo network initially um, to zillion of other networks because we, at the end of the day, using Binance as a broker partner, allow many network outputs. What would a broker kind of do in addition to those normal duties? And like what... Would there be how do, would there be almost like regulations or specifics that a person would need to have, or is it a business that you're looking for? We are looking for regulated entities, of course. So we believe in regulation. We we, we don't we are actually happy to to deal with regulated entities and licensed ones, and we believe that use cases that can thrive uh, onto the under protocol on top of cross-chain swap can be automated trading, on and off ramp solutions, network bridges, hybrid market pairs. And with hybrid market pairs, actually, we had uh, some, some cool conversation with one of our advisors, Nadim, uh, from Mental Labs, who actually is pushing for using Yandaf as a mean of minting stable coins by holding out for the reserve on a centralized exchange yeah. and out of the reserve on, De on DeFi. We had a guest... Um that was talking about the carbon credit markets from Flow Carbon. But some of the biggest problem is like due diligence uh, in specific countries. But if you're talking about onboarding like brokers into a protocol that are regulated in financials or, or whatever securities or whatever they need to be regulated in, is it a hard jump to then be able to do something like that where you're like having localized companies be able to, and I know that's like a, a wild subject, but I think but my point is that Yanda could be more than just finance. You're yeah. having like this and now I understand where like hybrid finance kind of comes in. I see where you're where you're getting with this. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, sure. Actually <laughs> it's funny because one 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 person involved with uh, the COVID vaccine actually 
uh, when I was pitching to him, he asked, yeah, asked if, he, if we can potentially use it for tracking what's going on with the uh, uh, vaccine uh, flow. And I said, yeah, potentially, yeah, we can also track potatoes. But um, I think we need to stick to to the market, to an industry. We're happy with, with what DeFi is struggling with. We're happy to solve some problem in DeFi, uh, where it's where I come from. And um, but also the carbon credit is is very close to what we're doing. Regenerative finance as a whole is something where we can step in um, as I mean, you know, non ramping uh, at least customers mm. in in different in different networks. So we've seen um, many problems in the industry right now from many layer one is how to onboard the customer from Ethereum or from from Polygon or from Binance if you are a smaller uh, Ethereum virtual machine. And so. Um, we'd like to to start with solving this kind of problem and allowing many layer one and layer two uh, on ramp people from from different networks. And so we'd, we'd like to to use the hybrid finance power, as we call it, hybrid finance, for enhancing transparency within interoperability and enhancing the security within interoperability of networks. I wanted to give a super good congratulations to our amazing sponsor, AngelBlock, on the launch of the AngelBlock protocol. Congratulations, guys. I know it's a long time coming. Um, it's hard work, especially building in a bear market. And we've been talking about AngelBlock for a while. But for those who don't know, uh, if you're a, a crypto investor, the AngelBlock protocol allows for non-custodial and on-chain fundraising, transparent vesting, and automated token distribution. You could invest in startups, DAOs, protocols, multiple chains, agnostics, all these different things, but with increased security, post-raise governance, which for me is huge, milestones for funding, regulatory compliance, on-chain transparency. Now on the other side, if you're a startup, you wanna be on the other side of that because they can help you build out all of your technologies from your NFTs to your tokens. They have a huge community that everyone loves to be a part of. Uh, receive advisory and mentoring, legal, legal, strategic, technical, operations support, access to cap table management. I mean, this is the Web3 version of how fundraising and investing will take place. AngelBlock Protocol, thank you guys for supporting my show and I hope you guys enjoy. You brought up an interesting subject too, that the fact that, and this is something that I really like to, uh, I enjoy this is that the fact that Yanda is a protocol that's agnostic. So you operate on multiple blockchains now, but you invite others uh, to kind of plug and play. Do you think all protocols of the future are going to be built like this and you don't, you won't see like blockchain specific upgrades or add-ons or modifications instead it'll be like what you're doing and then you can plug into existing evm type chains well i hope so um this is where i think we should head for because in the end of the day you should allow well first of all there are too many copies of the same ethereum virtual yeah. machine uh, around and this is not necessary so i think that focusing on 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 things that are that matters on few chains are better for the whole community. We are talking about developers. So, uh, I mean, it's just incentivating um, them in the right direction to work on the same uh, on the same milestones to, to make it a better world. So we are agnostic and we believe uh, that interoperability between different chains that they do actual different things uh, is a very important market. 
that's why we start with Ethereum, of course, and uh, Moonbeam and Celo, they have very different purposes. And we, we are also having in mind to have many other chains, but we'd like to see more contributors from the community. We don't like to call ourselves a layer zero, although we are very close to that. Um, I think that we are more a tool that must be used from different chains and maybe from regulators as well to, to make the, uh, the crypto industry more transparent. I, I like that layer zero, right? Because you, you you hear about layer ones all the time. You hear about like Bitcoin, Ethereum and everything else. And then we went to layer two, but like, what's a layer zero? Well, a layer zero, well, Polkadot itself pitches in, in itself as a layer zero, so a way, um, an infrastructure for, for different layer ones to, to communicate each other in, in the most efficient way. And um, although we are not a messaging system, um, although we can be, um, we think ourselves as a layer zero because uh, we stay on the bottom of the layer one and we can allow interoperability within transactions and uh, within smart contracts themselves and we can do a lot of stuff actually cross-chain. So that's why we think ourselves of a layer zero. That's really interesting. And um, I never heard that term before. Actually, I think I heard... I. Uh... I heard it, but I never connected it to what I've been, you know, what I've been talking about over the last week or two on the show. And you've kind of helped me define that specific uh, uh, section of the industry, projects that are building out kind of these layer zeros. But um, the alarm bells that are ringing in my head right now are this thing, are, you know, you're going to have a lot of regulation come out this year. And then you have this travel rule thing. And the travel rule and 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 there still hasn't it still hasn't fully been rolled out yet but it's looking like the world governments want a layer of of information to be attached to crypto transactions and whether that's like it's that's why the data has to travel with the transaction so like some country's name address you know what you're actually using this transaction for and some blockchains have embraced this integrating this travel rule into their uh, into their chain and then you're going to have, um, you have something here like Yanda, which is going to connect regulated markets all over the world. Do you think about this travel rule? Yeah, actually, it was the first thing we, we thought about, <laughs> but without knowing that it was the travel rule. I actually, uh, we didn't know anything about that. But the first thing we said, hey, we need to save the data from transactions. And that was the first claim we had when we started building the Yanda protocol. <laughs> okay, great. So it, if you go to our smart contract, you will see that every transaction is made by a series of logs. And when you log into the log, you will find a, a bunch of data which recollects um, basic thing right now. Then regulators and, and a license identity, they will direct us through what actually needs to be saved on chain and what not. So we say data on chain, though. And this is the most important thing. So every transaction that the broker makes on chain is saved onto the off-chain is saved on-chain, on Ethereum, on Boombeam, on Celo, and with an ID and, and with all the information that is needed for the validators to audit the transaction and to understand and, and, and validate it, to, to understand if the broker is, is doing the right job or not. Are, 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 are companies like yourselves talking to the politicians and the regulators and explaining to them what you're building and how it's different than 
those bankruptcies and centralized finance that we just saw, do you think they really understand how what you're doing is essentially preventing that from ever happening on a consumer level? So they don't have hundreds of thousands of customers now claimants in bankruptcy hearings. Like, do they understand that? Because that's what I'm scared about. Yeah, well, um, we are not talking to politicians directly. We have access course, to, yeah. I have access to, to universities. One of our advisors is professor of finance at Imperial College in London. And, uh, and through, through them, I have always access to, to big names in the UK and Europe. So anyway, they, they all agree on something with me. But the technical level, unfortunately, is really, I have to say, and probably I didn't meet big guys, but it's not a stage with which we can still talk the same language with with politicians. And I think that before talking with politicians, especially in the European Union, I think we need to to sort out what crypto is, what what is a stable coin, what is not, if it is allowed a stable coin, if you still need a stable coin. And you you, you know what I mean? And I believe, I, I hope actually that the, the popularity of Yanda will spike so high that politicians will come to us and ask how we can help. I mean, this is our <laughs> go-to-work strategy with that's, politicians. Honestly, the, that's, the, that's the best strategy, like talking to people yeah. and, and explaining to them what you're doing. And like you said, it's going to come out of a technical level, but academia and university, like teaching, and a lot of the regulators actually come out of the universities. Uh, sometimes not for yeah. the bet, you know, for the better, but that actually that actually works out. So I really, I really like that we're still focusing on like not your keys, not your crypto, but at the same time figuring out figuring out a way to have uh, regulated brokers incorporated all all into that. So what type of products and applications are already launched on? Other than we talked about like swapping tokens, can you do like securities tokens? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we can. Um, what we're focusing on right now is the, is the various activities that brokers right now are focusing on in the crypto space. And so automated trading, we have a very beta uh, product that can show. It's, it's just made as a use case for showing other brokers that works and how they can use it, for instance, to click on or Skydex to make their activities more legit, transparent, and see that binding proof, like, like that. And uh, um, we will want to, to to focus on on and off from solutions because um, we believe that um, the, the most important part uh, for a newcomer is when you buy the crypto. And we see that so far now, there are not many applications that are not charging so much. Um, the user experience can be great, but um, the transparency is not there yet. And we'd like to bring this sort of transparency from the very beginning in order to educate the customer from, from the very first step he makes into crypto to trust what he has into his DeFi uh, wallet. That's and an interesting it, point. Uh, can I kind of agree with that? Uh, if, you, if you can help someone get their hands on some crypto and they understand that and they learn that, then everything else they'll figure out within DeFi, potentially. Yeah, because at the end of the day, is how you who you trust first of all, and how you are storing your funds and moving them. So, uh, how you store your funds, we, we we are big fan of letting our customer use zillion of uh, wallets available out there. Yeah, uh, MetaMask, Trust Wallet, whatever Ledger, uh, whatever you choose, and um, and then 
It's just a question of, of letting them understand how to choose a broker, um, how to select a product, uh, how to, to trust someone else in space. And they don't have to do that necessarily because they need to do their own research because maybe you don't have time to do the whole research you need to do for, for investing in an IC or something like that. But basic things, and we think about the rest. We bring the transparency. We, we let them know what they need to know without letting them researching about that. How did you get into this space? <laughs> so I, I actually was working... Um, Back then in 2013 as a tax advisor uh, in Italy for a big firm. And uh, we were advising a football club uh, about uh, um, uh, tax residency um, for footballers. So I was okay. studying the way for people to avoid taxation. And one of these ways was with Bitcoin on the dark web, actually, at the time. So, and uh, I mean, I discovered it like that. And then I deep dive into it. Uh, one of my colleagues knew more about that, so we get all excited about it, uh, not because of the tax evasion, of course, but because sure. of the technology, uh, because of the new way of seeing money. And at the time, it was all about getting rid of third parties. I was part of a third-party system. You know, it was advisor. Yeah. And so it was all about, let's get rid of the third party from 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 when they're not needed. Let's, let's reduce transaction costs. And I liked all of that. And so I get I get to to fire myself from my job and, and pursue my dream, moving to London and studying finance, because at the time I didn't study finance. I was just with law and economics. And so I said, okay, I need to, to study more. And I went to London and then I met my co-founders that were my professor at university. And that still from that. What a crazy story. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people find Bitcoin and crypto from from like their traditional or whatever. And then they're like, I want to not do this anymore. I want to work full time. Do you ever think, do you ever like lose sleep at night knowing that if crypto goes away, you'll have to go back to your old job and that makes you like not, that makes you scared? No, I don't think so. Because in the end of the day, my job is not any longer crypto. It's managing people and, and giving them a vision and try to, 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 to do stuff with, technology let's say like that so i don't think the crypto first of all is never gonna go away oh, wow. i've been this is i think the fifth wave that i'm assisting that people are saying crypto is dead with blah 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 uh crypto is here to stay at least the blockchain is here to stay and I, so i don't think that anything is gonna is gonna change on that side um but if anything goes really really wrong i'll find my way uh, i don't have any problem with that I love it. it's a good attitude. Mario Stumpo, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time, coming on Untold Stories, giving that giving us a nice little confidence boost and teaching us about building layer zeros, hybrid finance, CDFI. I'm not sure which term I like the best, but I appreciate you today. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome, Charlie. Thank you so much for having me.